Genetics is changing everything in medicine. Genetics is going to be the basis of disease treatment in, in 10 years in, in almost everything we do. So, I mean, that's the most exciting part for me. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Working from home today. Yeah. It's the best when Chris and I get to like spend the day. Clothes are baggy. Hair is greasy. <laughs> so baggy. So baggy. Greasy. I could fit three more humans in my sweatshirt. Literally. I was like, I was driving here today mm-hmm. and I saw this girl and she was wearing this like loose linen white button down and these like cool, cool boyfriend jeans. I was like, wow. I will never look like that. I know. I was just like. Never as cool. That is like, that's a really honorable thing to do. To wear like cute, casual clothes every day. I know. Maybe someday I will. But like we can, it's just like, it almost feels like imposter syndrome sometimes to me where I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a boyfriend jean and I'm going to like rip them up and then wear like- I know, like a button down. A button down. But we will look, we will look cool, Krista. We look cool. <laughs> I'm like, maybe when I'm a, a I don't know. A mom? That's, that's a cool mom look, no? Dude, if I, yeah, so exactly. So I'm like, yeah, I thought about that. I'm like, maybe when I'm a mom, but like, what? I like, want to Maybe a, when I have more responsibilities than I have now and I'm like watching over kids that are like shitting and pissing on me <laughs> while I get ready. Like I have no kids and I'm not getting ready. I'm going to be Bye. the mom that wears a uniform. I want to wear- I love that. Black on black. Overalls. Every day. Yeah, I can wear overalls. Just like strap it up. (laughs) Put a baby in the front. (laughs) Mom tunic. Yeah, literally. Come through. Got my fupa Look at that mom over there. Tucked in. (laughs) You have like lollipops in every pocket. Honestly. And your Xanax in the top pocket. Fuck up. Just kidding. I love kids. Me too. So I just said today out loud and now it's probably going to be true. I, I was like, I'm not going to have a kid until I'm 40 anyway. Like loud. I know. Well, I honestly think that's like kind of the track I'm on because I'm nowhere close to getting married. But then also I want to like date my husband once we're married. Like I want to have a few years where we like Enjoy travel and have fun and like in our own way party still and just like do whatever the fuck we want whenever we want. And then, so that tax on a few years and then like, I want to have, you know, money <laughs> for kids. I want to have money. I want to have money. I don't even want to worry about it. And I know that's like a, you're always going to worry about something, but you know, when I was growing up, that was always something that like my parents fought about and I don't want that to be a thing. It's like the number one thing I think people fight about. Right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. My parents was Absolutely. Too. Yeah. So- um, Yeah, I'm like, I want to be a millionaire before I have children. Absolutely. 
And now I only want to have one. I kind of want to like same. a lot. Now well, ours can be one. best friends. It's fine. Honestly, they need to be. <laughs> it's fine. Because I think we like also within your family unit, like I think it's really cool to have like mom, dad, and like Community. a cool kid. Yeah. It's like your best friends. Totally. And you know? you can control them. Yeah. You're like, it's still us. <laughs> you attach driving, them to you. Yeah, it's still us driving the bus here. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> You're not outnumbered yet. You're not outnumbered. You're riding. Yeah. Because I mean, with two kids, like me and my sister, it's like yeah. chaos ensues. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once we had one four. One is one way. Oh, I mean, Literally, I, like we directed our parents. We're like, film us doing this. We're we're going to cartwheel for three hours. Totally. And you're like, uh, I guess I have to. Yeah. You're like, what else could I do? My mom's like, okay. But at least four, you can be like, bye everyone. And they can like go fucking yeah. do whatever kids are going to do. Yeah. I love that about more errands, Maylee. Mm. where she said that about kids. She's like, you know, like kids want to play by themselves too. She has yeah. two kids and she like, yeah. you know, she's an amazing mom, but she talked about how kids also don't need you around all the time. So true. I mean, pull and pray, parenting tips. <laughs> we got it all here. Yeah, we got it all You're taking here. notes? Yeah. Actually, this conversation. Uh, everyone knows kids is listening is like, fuck you guys. I know. Up. Just know that this is our opinion. And one, we haven't had kids. And two- you know, sometimes people give me like a little like, you know, look if I say I want one kid. Okay. What are they, why? Because they are they feel bad for the kid because they're not going to have friends. I mean, all my best friends are actually only children. Really? Yeah. Kristen, cool. Jen Kennedy. Justin. Justin. Justice is an only child. I have another person that I'm close with that's an only that's cool. child too. I'm yeah, fascinated. I think it's it, crazy the oh. difference, like how they've all, you know, the difference- in them, mm-hmm. you know, because of it. But yeah, there. but I do think about, there is something about having a sibling. I know. You know? I like, think if it's meant to be, okay. I don't want to ever force like, I should have three kids because I just want a gang. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know people are like, I want a boy and I want a girl. So that's why they like yeah. have two. I saw the funniest tweet the other day. What was it? It was about having a sibling. Oh, <laughs> At my funeral, sit me up. I want to see if my sister got my clothes on. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> love that. That was number one, baby. Sit me up. Number one fight. <laughs> number one fight. Was Mine was just copying clothes. me. Oh, damn. Yeah, I do not like a copy. I'm like, do not copy. But you're older. That's I know, but I mean, do. I was a bitch for saying that. I mean, that's Of what... course, my younger siblings are going to copy me because they admire me. <laughs> Totally. This is literally when we're eight years old. Like, yeah, me being savage. My sister is a little bit more sensitive. I was savage. Well, I guess it became sensitive as I got older. But Mm, no, I totally. No, I was rude. My my siblings were so sweet. Like Cameron was so sweet, Mm. and I would just be like mean. Mm -hmm. And I've apologized since, but Mm. you know, what would you be mean about? I would just like. She would copy me. I'd be like, stop copying me. And I'd yeah. like run away. Did you have ever have like, don't look at me? Fights? Sure. In the car. Oh man. I remember, She's I, looking at me. I never one, I'll never forget one time I was in the car. We were on our way to Michigan. We'd go to Michigan every year. And I was like, she was looking at me. And I actually very have very few memories of my childhood, <laughs> but I can remember how angry I felt that she kept looking at me. It was like a, like a deep rooted anger. Yeah. It's so crazy. Kids get real angry. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do with it. Totally. It's like, you know, like that's something you do as you get older. You learn to process feelings. Oh, my my brother would 
fly off the fucking handle mm-hmm. just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And it, it would be funny at the time because mm-hmm. it's like this, I mean, he was cute as hell. Mm-hmm. And just this little boy with spiky hair would just like freak out. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just like, whoa, like this is actually entertaining to watch, but mm-hmm. he would be having a real freak out. So I feel bad even saying that, but um, they don't know how to process emotions yeah, at that age. Don't know how to, boys especially. Yeah. And I should have, I didn't know how to process the feeling of, I don't want my sister to copy me instead. Yeah. I wish like as parents, they would have been like, hey, so your sister like just really loves what you're doing. Mm, like, I know. Yeah. I wish I would have been told how to process shame. Mm. I had a lot of shame as a kid Yeah, around a lot of different things. And I wish I would have understood what shame was. Because oh, I think I that was like the prevailing feeling that I had when I was really young was feeling shame. Well, I think parents use shame shame as a way to teach you a lesson. They're like, well, we want to make her feel ashamed that she did that. But then they don't empower you to then use that feeling to evolve and transform. It's just like sit in your shame and then just don't do it again. Yeah. And you're like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of kids, speaking of, yeah, I'm trying to transition. When you're 40, you know. Well, you did. You left. You left a perfect segue. That's what we do here on almost every podcast. We give you tips on life. Segues. We have great segues and transitions. So, if you want to have a kid when you're 40, here you go, Bob. Um, or earlier, you know, people are dealing with different uh, fertility issues. Yeah, yeah, fertility issues. So, one of my dear friends, um, Doctor. Bob Anderson is on the podcast today and this is a long time coming. It's actually funny. We, I first sat down with Bob uh, to try and interview him when we first started the podcast and we were like at a restaurant. I was recording on a janky recorder. It, all, it doesn't work to do it at a restaurant. Just FYI, if you're starting a we podcast. Like, like, I'm like, this is the clanking of the forks yeah, podcast. Like, it's very matter of place <laughs> or it's like very in place. It was very, it was wrong. So um, it's it actually, you know, timing is divine and it worked out that this, you know, we wanted Bob on. I think, you know, a lot of our listeners could be, you know, experiencing infertility issues or are thinking about having children. And, you know, I assume that I'm fertile and I could have a baby tomorrow, right? But I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, we want our listeners to be well-informed and Bob is full. I mean, he really like mm-hmm. took us deep into the process, what it looks like and feels like and uh, what to the commitment. IVF. Yeah. What the commitment wanted is. wanted to do IVF. Yeah. He commitment, the financial commitment, yep. the emotional commitment, the the physical commitment. And um, he is an innovator in this field, like actual, like mm-hmm. at the forefront, one of the top fertility clinics in the world. People are coming to him from all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't take him being our friend as like a way to discredit him. Yeah. Because honestly, yeah. he's- We're just lucky that we know The him. best fertility doctor <laughs> in the world. People fly from all over the world to um, get IVF with him, to help with surrogate issues, to help with their fertility. Um, so really this episode was super informative. I did not think I would- love learning so much about women's fertility, having a baby, everything related to that as I do. I mean, as I get older um, and as we are almost 30, there is so many things related to this and starting a family, especially for people that are waiting a little bit longer, there's options for you and there was ways to educate yourself. Um, so this episode's really, really groundbreaking in that way. I don't know any other podcasts that are talking about this. Yeah. Um, and we just wanted to open up the conversation basically. So Lindsay and I have people on that are 
are pretty provocative. We have topics on that are really provocative and interesting, but we just want to give you guys as much information as possible to be educated on these topics. Mm -hmm. So you can connect with Bob uh, at the Southern California Center for Reproductive Medicine. Um, they Their website, SoCalFertility.com, has a ton of different resources. We're just really, really honored to have him on. Um, this one, I think, will, especially for women, just give you the tools that you need if by chance this is the route you need to take or know anyone that does. So enjoy this episode. Join our secret Facebook group. Let's talk about it. As always, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We're going to ask that all the time because it really helps us. We've seen it just like really, really increase our rankings, which by the way, like, okay, it's a number. For us, it's more about Mm -hmm. being visible to more people. Uh, We want to bring on more guests like Bob. We want to uh, bring on sponsors so that we can get you discount codes Mm -hmm. and try new and amazing amazing, innovative brands. So it all just works together and helps so much. So share this podcast with friends. It means the world to us. DM us on Instagram at almost30podcast. We want to talk to you. We're always, you know, you guys are our best friend. Best friends. Love you. Love you. This has been a long time coming because uh, yeah. how long ago was it? Like two years. It was well, it was probably probably a year ago. It was in the summer. Oh, okay, so it was like before we even launched. Yeah, the podcast. We, I, um, yeah, you we were-, were welcoming Dr. Bob Anderson, Robert Anderson, to the podcast, but I brought him to Creation in Which Santa Monica creation? on Montana uh-huh. with a little jankity jank recorder. And had a convo and then I played it back. I was like, oh, okay, cool. All you can hear is like plates clanking <laughs> and other conversations other than ours. So. Yeah, I think your, your sound quality equipment is much better. Yeah, yeah. we've uh, come we've a long elevated. Way. It's funny too, because we were like, could, we almost wanted to work it into our narrative too. We're like, well, it's kind of like journalistic, <laughs> you know, like it's like it's on site. People feel like they're there. <laughs> we like tried to make excuses for it, but we didn't. It was a little it. too realistic. Yeah, yeah. It was a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're hear, so happy. Hear the here. bacon snapping. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're so happy you're here. And I'm so glad actually that it was delayed because well, one, I've gotten to know you better and just mm-hmm. what you do a, a lot better. And I got to come and observe you Yeah, for at least I was only there for three and a half, four hours. Bob That's did, a while. Bob did like seven surgeries, saw probably 20 patients. Like it was crazy. You saw I surgeries? Was, we we yeah. moved it right along. Well, you were lucky because we had a lot of stuff lucky. scheduled. It's not the same every day. And you even got to see things in the laboratory. You saw somebody biopsying an embryo, mm-hmm. embryo transfer, egg retrievals, all the monitoring. I mean, she saw everything. Yeah. Whoa. Hysteroscopy. Tell, tell her audience. She's um, ready to... Work. Yeah, I'm ready to work. <laughs> Hands on. You should hire her. She had the scrubs and the white coat. and I actually you know. felt very important. Yeah. Wow. I I don't, I get skeemish or skittish. I'm skittish. I don't really well, like I asked squeamish. That. I said, you know, squeamish. are we going to be okay in the OR? Because sometimes I take people in the OR and they, you know, first time they see blood or a big needle, they just lose it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you were good. Yeah, it was crazy. We'll get really? into it. But tell our audience who you are, what you do. So I am a, what's called a reproductive endocrinologist. And mostly what we do is infertility treatment, but we do some, you know, hormone, reproductive hormone treatment too. I'm based in Newport Beach. Our center is called the Southern California Center for Reproductive Medicine. We founded mm-hmm. it 25 years ago. Wow. Uh, He's yeah. been doing this a long time. Long time. A long time. 
Wow. And he's very you're, you're the busiest. I think you're the busiest. I, when I was in the yeah. office, everyone was from another country. Well, not, wow. every, not everybody, but we have, we have a lot of people that come from China now mm-hmm. because it's we're you know right on the coast. We do things they don't do there. Things Why that don't are, they illegal. do them there? They're illegal. The government really strongly regulates fertility treatment oh. there. And they're not as advanced in the laboratory. So some of the things that we do and we're really good at, they just haven't gotten the skill yet. So, wow. And then they have that thing for a lot of time. They had one baby you know, per person, yeah. per couple. When that was, did that rule It changed like change. about a year ago. Okay. So now it's two. Okay. But you know, we have people that the ones that can come, they don't care about that. If they get pregnant, they don't take the babies away. They just don't let you get pregnant if you already have one or two. Wow. So they come for you know, the genetic testing, which we'll get into. That's really yeah. the biggest part of what we do. Some of them for sex selection. You know, because oh. we, we know the gender of all the embryos. So if they have a, a preference, they can Do put, they new, usually pick boys? You know, you would think so, but more and more they're picking girls because what's happened over there is for so many years, oh. they selected for boys in a way that's really not very ethical. And now they've got a real shortage of girls. So there's all these boys that have grown up and they have nobody to marry. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And so wow. the fertility rate in China is actually dropping because of that. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So they're choosing for girls. More of them are right they now. like billionaires? There's so many, you know, there's a billion people in China, yeah, so there are like so many people that have so much <laughs> money. They love coming here because we've got this South Coast Plaza in, in yeah. you know, the Newport area. <laughs> it's insane with all the luxury stores. All those luxury stores, the items are 25% cheaper than they are in China. Really? So they come and just go wild and they so come they in do, decked out and they get you know, a baby and they get some Louis and they Vuitton. get a lot of stuff. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. So, when did this like start to? Boom. Like yeah. not only for your business, but like what has been happening over the last 30, 40 years in terms of like fertility, um, women's hormone health? Like why has your business, has it always been booming? Like what's what has mm-hmm. been the evolution of trajectory? Well, I think it was always kind of busy from when I started doing it because mm-hmm. women were delaying childbearing even then, you know, even 30 years ago. But what's changed in the last 30 years is the technology. So we're doing kind of the same types of treatment. You know, we did in vitro fertilization 30 years ago, but the way we did it then was totally different from what we do now. So now it's all about genetically screening the embryos, which is the reason that most IVFs didn't work back then. And in those days, we had nothing. You know, we, we put embryos in just based on the way they looked. Oh. We didn't have the ability to grow them more than a couple of days. Now we grow them out to seven days. Freezing of embryos wasn't very good. I mean, the whole technology was totally different. And so when I started, success rates were like 10 to 15% a try. And now if we put a normal embryo in, it's like 75 to 80%. Wow. Wow. So all of that's just because of the technology. So the screening of embryos is better. So now you, you're more confident that the embryo will take. Yeah, because the be- embryos have to be genetically normal. In other words, they have to have the right number of chromosomes or else they either don't implant or they implant and miscarry, or they implant and turn into you know like Down syndrome or something mm. like that. Yeah. And so we know all of that now in advance. In those days, you just put them in and cross your fingers, and then the genetic testing wasn't done until you know the second trimester. You know, so if you found out you had an abnormal pregnancy at that point, it, it was you're pretty far along. Wow. Now we find all that up before we ever put one in. So it's made a huge difference. Wow. Can you take us through the process of? So it's there's one process of freezing the eggs, yeah, and that takes about two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. The prep for it, and then it's totally a, a totally different process when they want to have the 
embryo implanted. Yeah. So what's freezing of it? Okay. Yeah. Let's let's that. take you through that. So before I do that, though, maybe we should talk about why you'd want to freeze them in the yes. first place. Thanks, okay. Bob. I've been asking every other week. I'm like, should I? Yeah. Well, and I get that. <laughs> Would all you the do time. it free for her? Uh, we'll talk. Okay. okay. Like a discount? I, might, I might get a few. <laughs> He's going like, to use them. He's going to use them for We're going to have a code at the end of this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, might have eggs get, frozen. I might have to get a few soul cycle classes or yeah. Literally. for uh, life, Bob, yeah. for real. One class per egg. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that's probably a pretty, pretty good deal. So, okay, so here's the thing. So women are born with all their eggs. Okay? okay, men make sperm their entire lives, but women have all their eggs when they're born. The number is usually about one to two million eggs. Wow, it's by, freaky. By the time when they have born? their first- Yeah, when you're born, you have all of them. So by the time you have your first oh, menstrual babies period- babies have eggs? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. By the time you have your first menstrual period, like 12, you've got 100 to 200,000. So you lose 90% of them before you ever even ovulate one. Wow. We don't understand why that is. Where do they go? We don't know. They just disappear. Horseback riding. And and then after that, (laughs) you lose groups of them every month until they're gone. (laughs) Sorry. I always heard I I wasn't supposed to horseback ride. (laughs) Sorry, that doesn't matter. Horseback riding. Oh my you God, that's so funny. <laughs> okay. Okay, sorry. so you lose groups of them. You lose, you lose this is going to be a long interview for you, Bob. It, okay? I know, I can <laughs> tell. I'll let you know. can tell. So you lose groups of them every month <laughs> until they're gone. Okay. Okay, so like at the beginning of a cycle, you may have when you're young, like 20 there mm-hmm. that are active. So when you saw the ultrasound we did, you saw those follicles, those little sacs of fluid yeah. in the ovaries. There may be 20 of those at the beginning of the month, but only one of them actually ovulates and you lose the other 19. So you're not just losing one egg per month, you're losing a whole bunch of them, even if you're on, your, you're on birth control pills, even if you're pregnant. So menopause happens 50, 51, 52 mm-hmm. in the US. That's when you're out of eggs. It happens earlier for some people because they may not be born with as many. And we're gonna talk more about that because mm-hmm. that's important when you talk about when somebody should freeze eggs. It's kind of all about you know how many do you have? And so there's gotta be some way of getting an idea about that. Mm. So the reason you only have one grow out of 20 is because of a hormone called follicle stimulating hormone. We got to do a little science. Okay. okay. Let's get into it. FSH. Okay? okay. And so you make a little bit of FSH and only one egg grows. And then that's the way it works. That's the way it's supposed to work. So when we're trying to freeze eggs or do IVF, we want all 20. And we'll talk about why that is in a minute. And so the way we get all 20 is we give more FSH. So those shots that we talk about or that you hear about are just giving more of the same hormone that you would have made, but enough to make all of them grow. Mm. So it's so, a naturally occurring hormone, but you can yeah, also do it's it. It's the same thing okay. your bodies make. It's identical. Okay. You know, we make it from recombinant um, technology. So Dead it, people. No, no, no. They make it in, <laughs> they make it in a laboratory, <laughs> but it's identical to what you make. So we can okay. give it and it doesn't have any adverse effects. It's not like giving some kind of a medication. Mm. It's not like, you know, horse estrogen that they used to do for mm-hmm. birth control pills. So this is, yeah. um, it's physiologic except for the amount, obviously. And you take that for about two weeks. So the people you saw coming in, we were measuring those follicles in the ovaries. They actually grow as the egg inside is maturing. So we don't see the eggs until we take them out because they're microscopic, but we can correlate the size of those follicles with the maturity of the egg. It's crazy. These follicles were huge. And so that helps me. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. So that helps me to adjust the dosage of the FSH because it can go up or down. You know, we see them every couple of days in the first week or so. And then we actually see them daily at the end. 
so that we know how much to give them and we know when they're ready to come out. Do they, you inject FSH? You inject it. It's a little subcutaneous needle. It's like what uh, diabetics give insulin with. It's only oh, okay. half an inch long. It goes right under the skin, oh. like in the front of your leg. So you do it yourself. Leg. You have your partner do yeah, it or one something. Yeah, one of my okay. nurses teaches them how to do it. It's really easy. And that this part, is to freeze your eggs? It's for any of it. We and do the same thing. The only thing that changes is when the eggs come out, what we do with them differs. If we're either uh, going to freeze them or we're going to fertilize them. But okay. the process leading up to that's the same. Mm. And is there any effects in those two weeks? Like, are you going to experience like bloating, any of that stuff? Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, the symptoms are going to be more if you have more eggs. I have some mm. egg donors that come in that have, you know, 30, 40, 50 eggs. Wow. And they get really bloated. I mean, they look okay. five months pregnant a week wow. or so after we take them out. It's unavoidable. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. There's, you know, there's a little, why, dis, there's some discomfort. They? Is it bl- water bloat or what's making well, you bloated? Well, the ovaries enlarge. Okay. And then they leak fluid through the ovaries into their abdomen. We have a medication now that we found about 10 years ago that kind of prevents that or mm-hmm. to a large extent prevents it, but not perfectly. So some of it is from that. And also mm-hmm. they their intestinal function slows down. So they get kind of constipated. They, oh, yeah. you know, there's, all that from the irritation in the in the abdomen, you know, from the ovaries. Wow. So there, you know, there's a few days, a about a week or so, when they're yeah. they're pretty uncomfortable. But you know, it's, it's variable. Some people have thirty eggs and they're like totally fine. Mm, okay. And then I've got some with you know twelve and they're calling me. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it is just. I think it's like pain threshold, not pain, but like discomfort no, threshold. Some people are like, eh, and then other people are like, yeah, I've been through worse. There's there's gonna, definitely that. You know. Yeah. There's definitely that. Okay. Okay. So when we get to the end of that two weeks, there's a day where we decide they're ready to take out and we have to give another medication to cause them to release so that I can take them out. And then we do that two days later. So it's a real quick outpatient procedure. Takes about 10 to 15 minutes. You saw how quick they Mm -hmm. were. They're they're done under anesthesia, but it's only an IV. So they put an IV in, give some stuff through that. You don't get intubated. You don't breathe any anesthesia. And it's really quick. You wake up, go home about an hour later. So quick. So what I actually do is I put in the ultrasound. These are all vaginal ultrasounds, which you saw. Yeah. And I have a needle guide attached to the ultrasound probe. And I can see the follicles. They're big. They're like an inch in diameter. And we put a needle through the vaginal wall into each follicle. And I just suction out the fluid inside. And the eggs are floating around in that. Wow. Did you inv- is that the one you invented? No, no. no I, which no. one did you, you did the ultrasound? When we're putting in the embryos. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll talk. Yeah. This was a okay. procedure that we've been doing. You know, when I was in training, that was the first time that they'd done it this way. They used to do laparoscopy, you know, where they did a cut, abdominal incision and put an instrument through your belly button. And, you know, we yeah, did yeah, it that yeah. way at first, but then they changed to this. Okay. So okay. it's really so, easy. So that you part's stick, easy. So you're under, under anesthesia. So you're sleeping. Right. Essentially. Mm-hmm. And then you stick something in your vagina and then you poke. Through the vaginal wall. Through the vaginal, vaginal wall. Because basically the we can push that ultrasound it's probe. Thin, right? Yeah. The vaginal wall is like paper thin. Does it hurt? They're not well, awake. if they were awake, it might. But yeah. when I first started doing this, we didn't use an anesthesiologist. We used to put an IV and we'd give them a little Demerol, a little Valium. Mm. Most of the time they were talking to me while Whoa. I was doing it. Mm. You know, so it's not Does that it repair bad. itself? It's just a needle hole. Oh, needle. Yeah, just a needle stick. So there's no incisions or stitches or anything like that. There is a little blood happening, but that's just like normal. Well, if you stick a needle through anything, it's going to bleed, but it's not much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it stops pretty quick. Yeah, it was very, like everything was so And then you do it in, so if there's 20 eggs, you do it in 20 eggs. Right. And so I have an embryologist in the operating room. They have a microscope in a little chamber Mm -hmm. so we can control the temperature and all that. And I give them the little tubes of fluid 
And they look under the microscope and find the eggs. It's like this little factory. He'd like pass off, get under. And then he's like, how many do we have? Cool. It was crazy. Yeah, it's pretty quick. And I was like, oh man, this is a lot of eggs. Yeah, literally. We had one that day that had a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was like crazy. She had 30 or something. So yeah. you went in 30 eggs and pulled them out. Yeah. But it's out, it takes 10 minutes. Yeah, I know. I mean, so sorry, you went in 30 eggs and pulled out embryos. No, no. Eggs. Eggs. You embryos went, are fertilized okay. eggs. So we just take the eggs out. Okay, okay. Okay. And so then what happens is then we're deciding if we're freezing them or if we're going to use them to try to get them pregnant okay. right away. So if we're freezing them, they take them up to the lab and a couple hours later, they freeze them. It's a process that is kind of new-ish. We, we started doing it this way about 10 years ago. It's called vitrification. And basically you're going from, from room temperature right into liquid nitrogen, like they just plunge it in there. They have to take the water out of the eggs as best mm -hmm. you can first. And then you just put them in liquid nitrogen, mm -hmm. which is like minus, minus 300 degrees centigrade, something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Before 10 years ago, and the reason why you didn't hear a lot about egg freezing before about 10 years ago is the procedure we had for that was terrible for eggs. It just didn't work well. So most of the time when you went to thaw them out, they weren't alive with that old method. And that's because eggs have a lot of water in them. The old method, they would form ice crystals when we were trying to freeze them. And those ice crystals would damage part of the egg that you need for fertilization. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even if they did survive, the fertilization rate was really low. So, I mean, although we could do it, it didn't really work very well. This one works way better. So, you know, we don't have to worry about ice crystals. We can fertilize three quarters of them. You know, 90% of them are better, survive the freezing and thawing. So it's just like been a wow. game changer. Wow. Okay, and then so they free, so they're frozen, and so do you have you have donors? We have some egg donors. Uh huh. That's and, a whole other thing. For, and what do they do? They apply do, or they yeah, yeah, because they they get people, paid to do this. How much? Know? Like on this coast, Just it's, range. It's about seventy five hundred to ten thousand dollars. Damn. So would it be cheaper like someplace in Middle America? You know, the problem in Middle America is there's not a lot of egg donor egg places. donor agencies or, yeah. or places yeah. where they do it. So. Uh, on the east co on the coast, yeah. that's where you find most of them. Ten thousand dollars. That's kind of an. Bob's average. wife runs a big yeah. donor agency. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's. I think one of the, one of the patients at least was a donor. Or no, she was a surrogate. Never yeah. mind. She wasn't a donor. She was a surrogate. Okay, we'll get into that too. And so, would you apply to be an egg donor? They do. Okay, yeah. and then you have like a file. So then you would have to know that you might have a baby, a child in the world. Well, right? it's like sperm yeah. donation has yeah. been around forever, yeah, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, and those yeah. guys have, you know, because it's so easy to donate sperm, they have they have lots, some of them have lots of kids out in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing. It's yeah. just a little bit more involved to get it. Yeah. But you have to be younger. Um, you have to be younger, right? Like, well, yeah. or like 29 well, like 30, is the max? 30 is, yeah, we don't really do them if they're over 30. So it's my last year. Yeah. Make 10 Gs. <laughs> how many eggs could I donate? I don't know. It depends on how many you have. Damn. So I can make $100,000 this year. You better get, Girl, you better gonna get be, on it. You're going to be real uncomfortable yeah. for most of the weeks. Would it hurt? Yeah, they got to go through the same process. process. Oh, I know. They but have, would I be in pain for a lot of my life? Well, no, for maybe a week. Oh, a week. Okay. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's too much. <laughs> but I mean, someone has to pick you. The way it works is these, mm. these oh. girls apply to be donors. Look at me, Bob. <laughs> I know. I, somebody would pick you for sure. For real. But you know, I get picked. You, you, it's just a matter of what people are looking for, you know? I know there'd be a superstar in the world and I wouldn't, we, I would know of them. So when they came to be a superstar, I'd be like, that's my baby. That's my kid. This well, is my kid. The thing is, it's, my all, baby. it's all done anonymously. Wow. 
Wow. And so, it's like a legal thing. Like you oh, can't course. legally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, but they don't know. In California, they didn't used to have laws for this, but now we do. So whenever um, a donor's going to donate, they have to sign a waiver that basically says they give up their right to knowing anything about what happens with the eggs. Mm. So the couples see their pictures, they know all about them, but they don't know their names. And um, the donors don't know anything about the couples. Wow. Yeah, so it's what really are, anonymous. What are the most of your donors like? They're like college girls. They're like normal. Yeah. You know? Wow. Interesting. Okay. So, anyway, we kind of got off the topic. Yeah. So, two two options. So, you freeze the eggs. And then, Mm -hmm. but what if people want to, you know, immediately fertilize? Well, they can do that. Then we inject. What's the time timing? Well, we do it the same day. So, like a couple hours later after we take them out. Yeah. We actually inject a sperm right into the egg. Oh, so in in a dish. Yeah. Okay. Like their husband's sperm or yeah. something or okay. whatever. Yeah. And then after that, the next day when we look at them, we can see if they fertilize because some of them do and some of them don't. And then they grow in the laboratory for another five or six days. Okay. And the reason we do that is because a, a fertilized egg is only one big cell. After five to six days, each embryo is made of hundreds of smaller cells, all of which have the same genetic makeup. Hmm. So that's how we can do the genetic testing. We can take three to five cells off of each embryo without harming it. Wow. And use the DNA in those three to five cells to figure out if the embryo is normal or not. Within that wow. five, that six day period. No, it takes longer. Oh, okay. the minute we so what we do is once we take the cells off, about an hour later, where we took took them from is healed, and then we freeze the embryos. So now we're freezing them either way, either as eggs wow. or we're freezing them as embryos. We send the cells off. It takes about a week to get the results back. But then once we have that, they can put one back in anytime they want. And they know cool. the so gender know of them. Good they know they're before nor- they put it back. Exactly. In. Okay. Yeah, that's why it's changed the success rate so much. Wow. Sorry, is sex determined by the sperm or the egg? By the sperm. By the sperm. All the eggs have X chromosomes, mm. and the sperm are either X or Y. So could you look at the sperm and say, this is a Y sperm? It'd be nice this? if you could, and people would love to do that. And there's been a lot of attempts to try to figure out that, but it doesn't work. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. So do you, you kind of you your- get what you get. A lot of your patients are choosing gender now or no? Like, um, about half. Okay. About half. It's funny. We have some people that want us to pick. They don't want to know. Mm. you know. So we have like a, or they want to find out later. So we have this thing, this egg. You're like, God. No. So <laughs> we have this thing, the, these eggs mm-hmm. that they're really like a hen's egg. Okay. They're made out of plastic <laughs> and you, you crack them open and then it's either blue or pink inside uh-huh. so they can later on decide whenever they want to fi- find out if oh, they don't you find can, out oh, that's cute. Yeah. it's like a little party gift yeah right, <laughs> that's <exactly>. cool <laughs> and then some of them we had one family this is kind of weird but they had a <laughs> they brought in a ballot box they had all their family members vote on what they should have oh my god and then they didn't want to know so we had to like count the ballots and figure out what it was we were yeah, putting. like this is an like, extra charge yeah, uh, it was literally. Little, <laughs> but usually if they don't want to know then the embryologists pick what they think are the best ones to put okay in. But the other thing is because we know they're normal, we only put in one at a time. When I started doing this, depending on how old you were, we might put in two, three, yeah. four, five more. Mm. Now we don't have to do that. So the multiple pregnancy problem that you kind of associated with IVF for a long time, Isn't where it? people were having a lot of twins and triplets and quadruplets and all that, and we had plenty of them. We don't worry about that anymore. Oh. So we talk to me about what you invented that made the... The embry- when you're in, you know, putting the egg in the embryo? Yeah, the embryo in yeah. the uterus. Well, 
we used to put embryos in. You saw Blind, how right? we did it. Yeah, we just did it by feel. So you have this little plastic tube and you look you know, through a speculum like you're doing a pap smear and put this catheter through their cervix. And you, when you felt like it was at the top, you just put the embryo in. So and that was, was it. That, yeah, yeah, it was blind. And now I know after doing using ultrasound that you know it doesn't always end up in the right place. We used to we get tubal pregnancies. We get some that just didn't implant, and they were probably in the wrong place. You really can't tell by feel. Mm. So I started using um, the same ultrasound that we use for the uh, egg monitoring follicle measurements in the uh, embryo transfer room to see exactly where the embryos go. So when we started, you know, the reason I did is I had a patient. You know, we'd look at their uterine linings and. Sometimes they were good, sometimes they weren't. And I had this patient that had little patches where it was good and other places where it was bad. Mm-hmm. And we did a couple cycles and she didn't get pregnant. I thought, well, you know, if I could put it in the good part, maybe that would work. So I used my ultrasound, practiced on a few other patients first. All of them got pregnant when we did it that way. So then I, this was in the days when we were putting in more than one. I put two in her in the good part and she had twins. No. So after that, I was like, oh, I think I'm onto something. <laughs> So we, what is we it did, good, what makes it good and what makes it bad? The lining or the, the, the kind of the thickness. Oh, yeah. Oh. So I did a whole bunch of them. We presented at a meeting, wrote a paper, wrote a book chapter, and you know. And I'm a millionaire. Like, it was good. No, I didn't make any money from it. It just it really just, no. I mean, you can't. Yeah. That's not how it works. It was yeah. just you know advancing the profession, advancing oh, science. Yeah. That's why you do cool. it. Yeah. yeah. So we did you like the thing that you, the needle or whatever, does it, I didn't see when you were doing it. It was plastic. It's plastic. soft. It's like a piece of it, wet it's pasta. It's attached to the ultrasound? No. It was, no, it's just I had the ultrasound in one hand and that tube in the other hand. So it's like. Oh, so it's not, okay, 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 no. okay. Got it. Whoa. Okay, so we should probably backtrack a okay. little bit and talk about why you would freeze eggs in the first place. I love you. Thank okay. you, Bob. I told Bob, I said, Bob and I had breakfast before this. I said, Bob, I need you to take the reins, okay? Like, Bob, this is your show. Okay. Taking the reins. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give Krista this Thanks. graph. Okay, look. we're looking at a graph. I just learned we'll how link, to read. We'll so. link it on it's in the show It's on my website. Yeah. It's on Bob's website. What's your website? It's SoCalFertility.com. Great, okay. All right, so what also happens as women get older, not only do they have fewer eggs because they're losing them, but the percentage of those eggs that are genetically normal starts going down. Mm. And it goes down a lot once you're over 40. But even when you're young, if you look at that graph that I just showed you, that first, the first one, when you're 20 to 25 years old, those are our egg donors. All right, oh. so these are people, this data comes from people where we've actually tested the embryo. So we know how many of their eggs are normal and how many are not. So the 20 to 25-year-olds, only one in three of their eggs are normal. Whoa. If you look at 30 to 34, it's about one out of four. It's not that bad. No. It just depends on how many eggs you have. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. This is the percentage. You could have, if you get 10 eggs and one out of five are normal, you got two normals. Right. But see, most of the ones that we take out are not normal. Mm. Even in younger women. And if you get to look at the ones when they're 41, 42, only one in 16 or 17 are normal. By 43, 44, it's one in 20. Does it depend on genetics, uh, nutrition, like all of that? Like what? It, what nope. Nope. It's what you have. You're it born with is. what you have and could that's you, it. Could you? You can't change. You know, when I'm talking about genetically normal, we're talking about does the egg have the right number of chromosomes? Okay, so each normal egg is supposed to have 23 mm-hmm. and then the sperm has 23 and that makes the 
you know, the embryo have 46, which is okay. a normal number. So if you've got an egg that has 22, there's nothing you can eat that's going to cause another right. chromosome to show up. I mean, that egg's going to have 22 no matter what you do. Can you can you reduce the rate at which you're losing your eggs or no? Nope. Really? That's crazy. I thought we could talk preventative. There's, there's unfortunately- <laughs> It's just happening. No, there's no prevention. So the other issue then is- that some women have more eggs than others. Mm. You know, we see these girls that come in that want to be egg donors, some of whom are very young. And one of the things I always do is an ultrasound so I can mm. see what their ovaries look like to see if they have a lot of eggs or not. And some of them don't have very many, even if they're mm. under 25. And they're like, oh my God, I wanted to buy a new nose with my egg donation. <laughs> well, I mean, it just, but so that's the problem. So if you're talking about- you So know, you could look, did you get an ultrasound? No. Oh, I meant to do that. I meant to have some. Can we? Have, can I? Can we really? ultrasounds? I want to see my egg situation. Here's the thing. Well, here's a couple things about that. One is, birth control pills will suppress your ovaries and make it look like you don't have very many. So, oh. if someone's been on birth control pills for a long time, their ovaries get very quiet. Even the young egg donors. So sometimes what we have to do is get them off for a month or so, mm-hmm. and then their ovaries look good again. Okay. Right? But. However many you have is however many you have. So right. if you don't have very many, I mean, the birth control pills will make it worse, but it's not going to get any better. Cool. I mean, it can wow. fluctuate a little bit month to month, but not that much. Okay. There's also a blood test you can do called AMH, anti-mullerian hormone. And this is a substance- oh, you told me to do that. Yeah, it's a substance that's made by every, um, every egg you've got left in your ovaries. So the higher the level, the more eggs you have. Oh. The lower the level, the fewer- Okay. So if you did that plus an ultrasound, you kind of know I'm in good shape. I got a lot of eggs left or, you know, this doesn't look so good. Maybe I should think about egg freezing. Okay. Sorry. So you you have 20 eggs a month? Uh, That's an average. I mean, just picking a number. I mean, some do. That's kind of an average number for somebody who's like under 30. Okay. And you recommend like people get their get it tested to see how many they have. Mm-hmm. And then re- do you recommend like maybe 33, 34? Like when should they definitely Well, get I mean, if you look at that graph I showed you, the difference right. between, you know, 30 to 34 and 35 to 37 is not much. It goes mm-hmm. from like one out of four normal to one out of five mm-hmm. normal. So it's not hugely well, different. Wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. Well, but that means 80% of them are not normal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then it depends on, Am I someone who has a lot of eggs or not? And if you don't have very many and only one out of five is normal, you should freeze them. That's what, yeah, than exactly. So I can't say, look, here's an age where everybody should, by then they should freeze their eggs. There really I isn't know. that. It's kind mm-hmm. of subjective. So you got to look at, you know, how many do I have? How long do I think I really want to delay getting pregnant? You know, some people are doing this, you know, for career or whatever. I mean, if you look at Facebook and Apple, gave their employees $20,000 to freeze their eggs because they want them to work. Right. And, but, you know, even if you what? don't do that. Yeah, you didn't hear yeah. that. That's cra- it's so, crazy. You know, I mean, that's nice because, you know, I think there's a lot of, uh, and you guys probably see this, there's a lot of uh, turmoil probably when somebody's thinking, you know, I, I really got a career that's going here. I, I don't have time to be pregnant and take off mm. time and do all that stuff. But, you know, I, also the clock is ticking. So this is kind of one way to to mitigate that a little bit if you know if you're interested in doing it. Wow. When you have like two of the 20 eggs that are good. And then 
you know, the 18 are bad. Does bad mean that they have, are missing a chromosome or that they won't attach or what exactly? Well, it means they're either missing some chromosomes, uh-huh. sometimes they have extra ones, sometimes okay. it's both. The bottom line is if they don't have, there's 23 mm-hmm. pairs of chromosomes you're mm-hmm. supposed to have. Anything that's different from that is not normal. Mm. Is the chance of it attaching and not living or? Well, abnormal embryos will do one of three things. Mm-hmm. They just won't even attach. Okay. Or they'll attach and then miscarry eventually mm-hmm. sometime in the first mm-hmm. you know, 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like a Down syndrome, I mean, you mm-hmm. see those people walking around. Mm-hmm. So they can go all the way out to full term and be born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on what the abnormality is. Yeah. The first part was taking out the eggs, fertilizing them, genetically testing them and freezing them. So once that's done, then it's up to the person to decide when they want to put one back. It could be next month, it could be next year, it could be five years from now. It doesn't matter because once they're frozen and tested, when we thaw them out, they're just like they're fresh. I mean, our freezing method for embryos is really good. Wow. So when they decide they're ready to put one in, then all we care about is getting their uterus ready. So remember we talked about the uterine lining and making mm-hmm. sure it was thick enough. We give them estrogen and we give them progesterone just like in a natural cycle. So we know how much to give so that it's perfect. Mm. And we just measure the thickness of their uterine lining once a week. It usually takes about two weeks to get it ready. Once it's ready, we start the progesterone. And then five days later, we put the embryo in. So we're just kind of concentrating on making them receptive for that embryo to implant. And so if we've got a perfectly prepared uterus and a perfectly genetically normal embryo, that's why it works. And beyond that, do they need any extra checkups like throughout or, or you're well, like, hey, you're pregnant now. Good no, job, no, but. we follow our, our okay. pregnant patients for the first 12 weeks. So we do okay. weekly ultrasounds. It's probably overkill, but we just like to make sure everything's developing properly. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes we can see things that could be a problem, like they're having bleeding in the uterus or something's wrong. We can you know help that out a little bit. And so, why, why wouldn't a uterine lining be like thick and healthy? Well, that's a good question because those are the toughest cases I have right now. There's some women where no matter what I give them, estrogen or sometimes there's Mm -hmm. something we can give that stimulates the uterine lining to grow. Some people, it just doesn't. Hmm. You know, if you're one of those people, Mm -hmm. there's certain things we can try, but there's a certain percentage of them that end up having to use a surrogate because we just can't get their uterine lining to grow. Right. And I don't know why they can't. Hmm. There's actually a guy in Spain that's starting to do uh, experimentally a stem cell treatment where he's putting, injecting stem cells into the uterine arteries. It's like really experimental. Oh. And in a certain percentage of people, when he does that, the uterine linings can start to grow normally. So that may be something that we can do down the line. Wow. Okay. But right now, there's just some people that I can't, there's nothing I can do. I've tried all sorts of tricks uh, with medications and things. And even Viagra, we put in Viagra vaginally to make the blood flow to the uterus better. Wow. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Like a little pill up there? It's a pill. You just put a pill up there? Yeah. Do they get horny? <laughs> no, it just makes their blood flow improve. It's a, great, it's a good question. Yeah, they no. get like a little clit boner. <laughs> yeah, doesn't do that. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. They don't have never huh. asked them. That's so funny. Ask them. So, but anyway, those people have to use surrogates. So that's... Where do you, uh, do you do you help find surrogates as well? There are agencies for that. Agencies, too. yeah, and we do a lot of that now because a lot of you can't do that in China. So we have a lot of Chinese patients that come. You that, can't have a surrogate in China. Uh, uh-uh. it's not allowed. It was cool. Like the there was, I don't think it was one of your Chinese patients, but uh, there was a surrogate, and then like the agent, and then they put the the, ooh, the mother on um 
FaceTime? Was that the deal? Or the agent was on FaceTime. Yeah. It was like this was virtual time. conversation in the doctor's appointment. And it was yeah, cool. It was and the, everyone was, was the, kind of like online, like seeing the baby and all the stuff. It was, it was the was intended cool. parent. Yeah. That they were oh, FaceTiming. Parent, yeah. 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 It was really cool. Was cool. I mean, this wow. is like 2018, you know? Yeah. Well, that's how I, usually how I contact the patients in China the first time we have a consultation with Skype or, or WeChat. Mm. So we don't really meet them until their treatments, they come over and their treatment's going. But we can make the plan and they can kind of talk about what we're doing and all that stuff. Wow. Bob's learned Mandarin. Well. Oh, and he's hired, he's hired I've, many I've people in your little, office. I've learned a little Mandarin. But you've had to hire people who are fluent in Mandarin. Oh yeah, Mandarin. I have three people that can speak Mandarin. I mean, we have to because we have so many of those patients. Mm. Wow. As you'll see on my website, it's, it's the, all in Mandarin too. It's translated. Mm. Wow. And, Smart. Yeah, I mean, we had to do that. Do yeah. they like stay in Newport? So if they were to do the process, would they come and stay in Newport for like months? Um, usually they can't do that because their visas don't oh, allow yeah. them to do that. So- they need to come for that two-week part. Uh-huh. You know, the husbands, a lot of times they're working, so they'll come, freeze yeah, some sperm, mm-hmm. and then they go back. The wives stay for, you know, two to three weeks to until their eggs are out, then they go back. And then whenever they're going to come back for the embryo transfer, they have to stay another two or three weeks then. Okay. So it's not that bad. Some of them stay, you know, for the whole thing if they can. A little vacation. Uh, yeah. Well, they like coming here. Yeah. Can you talk to us about, like, kind of the realness of this? You know, I know, like, what I liked about your... Um, bedside manner with the patients was that you were really honest. You're, you were very like kind and direct, mm-hmm. but like honest about, you know, this process is not guaranteed. So how do you communicate that to them? And what are you saying? And what should our listeners maybe who are interested in eventually freezing their eggs or doing in vitro or having a surrogate, like what do they, they need to know so that their expectations aren't skewed? By like marketing, I feel like we were talking about this before, you know, this morning, like just about being marketed at that. Oh, like IVF is so easy and you just like, you know, well, pop out a baby. You know, I think it's always been my approach to give people as much information as we can. You know, I don't want to mislead them into thinking that this is perfect because it's not. So we tell them right up front when they have the first consultation what they should expect. So I show them that same graph that I showed you. Everybody sees that first time I talked to him. And then I have to tell him when it comes to egg freezing that there's some people whose eggs just don't freeze very well. You know, but the problem is you don't know that until you thaw them out and try to use them. And that may be years down the line. Mm-hmm. So when we take out, let's say we take out 20 eggs from a you know, 30-year-old, there's nothing we can do at the time that we freeze them that tells us if any of them are good. Wow. Or whether or not they're even going to survive the freezing and thawing. So back in 2008, when we started doing this vitrification procedure that I told you about, we did a study because we had the old method and then this had just this new method had just come along. So we wanted to compare the two. So we did a study in our laboratory where we used egg donors. So they were all young and half the eggs would be frozen one way, half the eggs would be frozen the other way. And then we compared it, you know. So what we found, because we were thawing all of them out because like a month later, we thawed them out to fertilize them to see. And there were some women, even young ones, where their eggs just didn't freeze and thaw well. I mean, they were just terrible. And others where they were like perfect. Mm. And the problem is you don't know that in advance. So I hear all these egg freezing seminars. They have these you know, meetings where the doctor will have drinks with them in a restaurant or something. And they, it's like a party and they talk back, you know, they call them egg freezing parties. 
Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and I think it's well they do it they do they've done it around here I I'm I know there sure. are some really? like a Tupperware yeah. party but you freeze Ex- your eggs exactly. but they're trying to get people to freeze their eggs yeah it's a marketing oh, tool cool but I think Weird. a lot of times they just talk about it like it's a perfect thing like you know this is definitely gonna hedge against any you know delayed fertility and for a lot of people that's very true but there's gonna be some people where it isn't the case we've certainly thought some out and this happened like a couple of months ago where we thawed out this woman's egg, she froze like 11 and they were all terrible. None of them made it out to the point where we could do the genetic testing. They all stopped developing. So mm. they probably weren't normal or the freezing damaged them somehow. Right. And other times you do it and it's it's perfect, you yeah. know, but the problem is there's just that unknown. So we tell them that up front, you know, I'm not going to promise to everybody this is a guarantee because it's not. Do you have any theories as to why one person's eggs would be better than others? You know, it's probably uh, got more to do with the freezing process. It's a stress. You know, anytime you do that kind of thing, that's not a natural type of thing. So some of them just tolerate it better. And why it is, we don't really know. Probably because they eat good. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I want to come back to this. (laughs) Probably the the vegans, theirs really don't freeze well. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. There we go. No, it's it's really probably not that. Yeah. I, mean, I wish there was something, but as far as we know, there really Do you isn't. find a certain nationality has a better, has more eggs than others? Like was more fertile? I guess I better be careful how I answer that. Hmm. We've seen some differences like Asian women. Mm-hmm. This isn't a sure thing, but a lot of them don't have as many eggs. Mm-hmm. We've certainly seen that. Yeah. Hispanic mm-hmm. women tend to have lots of eggs. Wow. But I mean, you know, there's obviously variation. It's not cool. really just like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. What have you seen in terms of like the relationships, like the partners that come in? Mm-hmm. Are you talking to them differently? Like if it's if it's a partnership or if it's a single person, like I feel like it's it's emotional, like this whole process too. Like mm-hmm. how do you like tap into that side of it as well? Or do you not? Well, everybody who does what I do is an amateur psycholo- psychologist. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to be, Literally. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's extremely emotional. There's ups, there's downs. Mm-hmm. You can imagine somebody who's actually trying to get pregnant. They do it repeatedly and it doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. Now it's like they don't get a normal one. They don't get a normal one. They don't get a normal one. It takes its toll. You know, they feel inadequate. They feel like mm-hmm. there's something wrong with me. You know, they want it really badly. And, and used to a lot of them are used to being able to get whatever they want by just working harder at it. Well, this is one area where it doesn't work that way. And that just takes a, that takes a toll on relationships. We've had patients who were married and they went through all this and they end up getting divorced afterwards. Oh, I mean, it, probably things were bad, but this yeah. just kind of pushed them over the edge, you know. So there's certainly a part of it that's that, and you know, you, you have to be mindful of that when you're dealing with anybody because they'll come in, and they'll just start crying, yeah. you know, and it's just how many people cry a week. Uh, fortunately, most of the ones that are crying now are crying because they're happy. Oh, you know, the first time we show them the heartbeat, I mean, yeah. that's What's even your success the guys. Rate, Bob? It's like seventy-five to eighty percent. You, you put in a normal embryo, and most of the time, it works. Wow. You know, yeah. so I mean, there was last week, for instance, we had two days. I had seven pregnancy tests on one day, six the next day. Twelve of the thirteen were positive. Wow! You know, it's well, never that, been like this. That it's one great. woman came in with her husband, and it was her fourth baby with you. Yeah. Fourth baby with Bob. 
They all worked. Is she not, in, was she not for, trying on her own? No, it was all from IVF. And she, you know what? That woman actually was an egg donor when she was younger. Really? With me. Yeah, we knew her wow. when she was really young and she was so an egg cute. donor. She was so sweet. That was so fun, yeah. Bringing the kids. Wait, so funny side note. I know Bob's kids and didn't Sloan date like someone you created? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that's hilarious. It, it was, yeah, it was pretty funny. You've been How doing this- Sloan? She's 22. Oh, how'd you find that out? Uh, well, she <laughs> yeah. was in high school and we were at the, you know, when you have prom and you yeah. go to somebody's house and you take all the prom pictures. Yeah. You so, bring your gun, make sure nothing's exactly, going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so we thing. knew she'd been going out with this kid for a while. So we were at uh, somebody's house and his parents weren't there yet. So we were taking pictures of the two of them and, you know, whatever. So then in walks these two people and I immediately knew them. I didn't know that they were his parents, but I was like, they came up and say, hey, how are you doing? And I remember that, you know, they'd had a couple of kids with us and then they walked over and then like, that's his, that's their son. <laughs> like, is that crazy? Like, oh, this is crazy. And so, Sloan's like, geez, dad. Yeah. And so I was telling Sloan, you know, you guys, you can't get dates. So I actually have to make them for you. <laughs> Damn, Bob. That was a weird joke. Then, that's classic. That's a good but one. But then she would tell, you know, people, my dad made him. <laughs> yeah, she so thinks crazy. it's cool. Yeah. That's crazy. And the other day I had a patient who, who her mother was my patient. Really? Aww. That wow. freaked me out. That's the first time that's ever happened. Really? Like, oh my God. Whoa. I've been doing this a long time. That is yeah. Now I'm starting to see the children of my patients. That's the coolest. I think that's so cool though. Do people ever adopt too? Oh, of course. They're like, okay, this is not working. I need to adopt. Well, I mean, some of them, you know, this isn't cheap. We didn't talk about this, but yeah, we egg, talk about egg freezing this. costs about $10,000 wow. right around that. Mm -hmm. Do you have to pay like each year you keep them frozen? It, it's or? like a few hundred dollars. Okay. Yeah, that's not the, the biggest part of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some people have insurance that pays for it. Most of them don't. So for a lot insurance of people- Insurance will pay for it? For, some of them do, yeah. Wow. A lot of the uh, tech companies, you know, people with lots of young employees uh, are starting to get fertility benefits. Wow. It's yeah. like Disney. They have a lot of, they have good fertility benefits because wow. they have a lot of, a lot of employees. Wow. So, you know, for most people, it's, it's expensive, you know, sure. and, and some of them can't afford it. So mm -hmm. they, they go the adoption route or they've tried it, you know, back in the old days when it didn't work that well, after a few tries, they're out of money and it didn't work, then that's kind of the direction they went. So the freezing of the eggs is 10,000. And then is there, mm -hmm. when you implant yeah. the egg and the embryo, that's another fee? Yeah, because they've got to thaw them out, fertilize them, okay. genetically test them, refreeze them, and then yeah. you know, go through the whole process of getting the uterus ready. So wow. that's probably another 10. Wow. Like but that's down the line. Yeah, you know? sure, sure. Um, how much is a surrogate? Those are really expensive. Like 70? Uh, around that, the well, surrogates, depends. well, you got to do the IVF right. part. Oh, so that's like 20. Yeah. And the surrogates get paid about 30. Okay. And then the attorneys and the agencies that do all the stuff with them is another like 10? about another 30. Oh, shut up. Yeah, it gets close to 100,000. Can you imagine what Kim K paid? I know. Mill, at least. Yeah, lap of luxury. Yeah. There's a whole, like there's issues with surrogate organizations sometimes correct well there there have been in the past i mean they're yeah. they're pretty good okay. these days and you know the the attorneys are really good the ones that have done this a lot you know like mm -hmm. first of all in certain states if somebody has a surrogate deliver a baby you have to adopt the baby after they deliver it because the surrogate's name goes on the birth certificate in california we don't have that in california 
as long as the attorney files certain documents, we have to you know sign all these things saying what we did. And as long as they do that, then the intended parent's name goes on the birth certificate so they don't have to adopt the baby afterwards. Mm. So in California, it's really good. That's why we have a lot of people coming here to do surrogacy because in other states, they don't have that. Wow. How many times can a surrogate have a baby? I know it varies, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, Well, first of all, in order to be a surrogate, you have to have had some successful pregnancies. So a lot of them, oh. you know, you don't do it on someone who's never been pregnant. Oh, okay. So most of them have had one or two already. And they probably top it out at five or six, something okay. like that. Because when we start getting pregnant that many Ooh. times, then that increases risks for the surrogate. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. For And for the birth control thing. So we are talking about, you know, when you're on birth control, it sort of levels out your hormones and your eggs are just sort of chilling. Yep. Okay. I've heard some of your episodes. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> where, Bob has something to say about the No, I, I've listened a to bit. a lot of your yeah. episodes. I really have. I mean, a lot of them are great. Do you LOL? No. You don't, <laughs> you don't laugh out loud, Bob? No. Wow. Really? Well, I mean, laugh. Okay. I, well, first, I probably yeah, do. Yeah, Bob barely laughs, but no, he laughs inside. You laugh. No, I, I, I laugh because <laughs> most of the time I'm in my car driving up here. Yeah. This time. Well, let me just so, say Bob is Kelly LeBeck's biggest fan. and, and, and That's has, where I got Kelly from. I mean, yeah. that was great. Yeah. She's one of her clients. She, she's probably yeah. had the life. biggest impact in my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easily. Lost 20 pounds. That's oh, easy. And yeah. like, it's amazing. It is amazing. His focus, like like your brain well, fog. I used to be and, falling asleep in the afternoon. I'd be oh, talking so to patients, like you. trying to keep my eyes open. What was your diet like before? It was like normal. Okay. You know, I don't think it was abnormal, but now I'm keto. So that, that was what made the hugest difference because mm-hmm. now I don't have, you know, you don't have the ups and downs of the blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So when you're metabolizing fat, you're like burning. If you don't eat, it just mm-hmm. comes off your body. Love that. Like 20 pounds of fat came off. That's amazing. In two or three months. Wow. And you can keep it off if you keep eating that way. So it's wow. been great. So anyway, I've heard some of the people talk about hormone balancing. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I want to say about that is what they're really talking about probably is restoring the normal hormone cyclicity, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at, if you measure somebody's estrogen level every day through the cycle and you measure their progesterone level every, every day through the cycle, what you see is the estrogen starts from zero. Mm-hmm. And then the first half of the cycle, it starts to grow up gradually. And then right around the time of ovulation, it goes way up mm-hmm. and then it comes down after ovulation and then it goes down. And then the second half of the cycle, it goes up a little bit about a week after ovulation, then it goes back down to zero mm-hmm. if you're not pregnant. There's no progesterone in the first half of the cycle mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So it only starts getting made when ovulation happens. It just goes up and then it comes down if you're not pregnant. So if you think about that, if you can measure somebody's hormones just on a random day, mm-hmm. you, the information that you get is going to be nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you don't, if you measure it in the first half of the cycle, there's no progesterone. I think it's like between day 19 and 22 or something. Well, that's because that's when the peak progesterone right, level that's when should be. They like measure it four times throughout a day or yeah, something. Yeah, and that's, that's fine. So, but what you're really doing is some people don't ovulate, so they don't make any progesterone. You know, they're just mm. making estrogen all the time, no progesterone. Well, that's not good. So what they're really trying to do is reestablish an ovulatory pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not balancing the hormones. It's just okay. getting your hormonal, you know, environment back to the way it's supposed to be if you're ovulating. Okay. When you're on birth control pills, you don't ovulate. So you're giving a little estrogen and a little progestin, something like progesterone, every single day of the cycle. Sometimes they have these tricyclic ones where they, you know, give a little bit and they change the ratio in the middle and then it goes back down at mm-hmm. the end. But basically, it's preventing ovulation. So you're 
body isn't making estrogen or progesterone on its own. Okay. So that kind of shuts everything down. But you're getting artificial estrogen and artificial progesterone-like stuff. That's so crazy. All the way through. And then when you stop it, you have a period. So it's, there's nothing normal or physiologic about that. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Well, I, was like be- I was begging my sister yesterday to get off birth control. But the thing is, it like, works really well if you're God. trying to use it as a contraceptive. Yeah, because you're, I know. You know that's what, there's so many other things now that you can there use are, that well, are natural. That's true. But- you know, that's know. that's what we've had for a long, long yeah. time. And I think too, but so I was thinking with the hormone thing is I think they want to make sure that we're balanced in the relationship between estrogen, progesterone, and then cortisol. And then DHEA, you know what I mean? Making sure that your levels are like in a balance, right? So that you're ovulating on time, you're feeling like yourself, your emotions are under control and like your weight is under control because when it's out of balance, you are too, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line is if you're not, ovulating normally like women with PCOS mm-hmm. you guys talked about PCOS mm-hmm. those women don't what is ovulate PCOS again? polycystic ovary syndrome okay and is it genetic um maybe we okay. don't really know what causes it oh, one of wow. the things that can cause it is being really overweight so mm. somebody who comes in and they weigh you know weigh 220 pounds and they're not ovulating i've had patients who for all intents and purposes look like PCOS they lost the weight and guess what the ovaries went back to normal and they started ovulating again. Wow. So there's definitely a relationship between body mm. mass and, and normal ovulatory function. Wow. Interesting. What, so PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome and, and what is it again exactly like? Well, it's a syndrome where you, you don't ovulate ever. Okay. So women who have that have to have an ovulation as part of it. Okay. They have to have some evidence that they have too much androgen, the male hormones. So either testosterone mm. or DHEA sulfate, which yeah. is made in the adrenal glands. And, or they have excess body hair. Yeah. So those are the two kind of major things. This business of what the ovaries look like on the ultrasound where they have this characteristic appearance, that's not part of the diagnostic criteria. So I see a lot of people who are told they have PCOS because they have a lot of follicles in their ovaries and they really don't. They're ovulating normally. They, mm. they don't have it. And cyst- anything with acne too, like a cystic well, that's acne. That's because of, of the, the testosterone. testosterone. Yeah. Right, so right. there's normally a balance between androgen, the male hormones, and okay. estrogen, the female hormones, in men and women both. And in women, the estrogen is supposed to predominate. Well, people who have PCOS, the androgen predominates. So that's why they have acne and excess hair growth. And right. sometimes their voice gets deeper and wow. all that stuff. And why they don't feel good. Mm. You know, estrogen is the feel-good hormone. So menopausal women, when they don't make estrogen anymore, that's why they have all the symptoms that, mm. that you're, they're famous for, you know, because they feel terrible. That's why people get PMS when their estrogen level goes down right before the period starts. That's when they feel the worst. And then when it starts going back up, then they feel good again. Mm. Sorry, that was a PCOS tangent, but that's... We that needed is, to talk about it. We needed to talk about that because a lot I didn't of... Really... Honestly, now I'm like, when I see people too, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know... I've had like, actually a couple writers ask me like they're dealing with a lot of like acne. Yeah, and you, talking to they'll never about say it today too. They'll never say facial hair, but you can see stuff and mm-hmm. and I won't ever like diagnose ever, but I'm always like like check like PCOS is a thing. This is a thing. Maybe mm-hmm. you should be looking into that because they're more worried. They're like, oh well, I'm sweating so much. Like that's why I, have I know acne. people always go to the topical. They go to the. Topical, I was talking yeah. to someone today, and they're like, I'm like breaking out, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so I stopped using all my products. I'm like, it's the last thing. Yeah, it's really internal probably. It's internal. It's your digestion. It's your like stress levels. It's your hormones. Oh, yeah. You know, so much of that more so than like what you're putting on your face, I think. 
in your office, I love that you like have uh, holistic treatments too. Oh, like are, what? What are those and Facials. how do they help the process? We Uterus have, facials. I, I requested <laughs> manicurist, but we have an acupuncturist. Cool. Do you get acupuncture? Uh, I have. Oh, wow. Yeah. But the thing about acupuncture, why it helps, there's two things. Acupuncture has been shown to have some physiologic benefits. So it's been shown to improve the blood flow to the uterus and the ovaries. That's the cool. major probably physio physiologic benefit of it. Mm. Because everything that we give them, you know, the hormones are going to the ovaries to stimulate them or the hormones are going to the uterus to get the uterine lining to grow. So acupuncture can help that. Cool. And the other part of it, if you ever had it, it's very relaxing. So yeah, there's, so I mean, the, I was a non-believer and the first time I, I did it, I felt like someone had given me a Xanax for about mm -hmm. four hours. I was like totally just wiped out. <laughs> yeah. After that, I was a believer. Yeah, so that's good. when we started having it in our office. And the other thing we have is a nutritionist. Cool. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that's big. Do they see everybody? No, it's elective. Oh, wow. I mean, I don't make them see anybody. You know, um, I said, yeah. these are the things we have. Mm -hmm. You know, you can take advantage of them um, if you want. So like the acupuncture, they'll usually do that a couple times mm -hmm. a week. Wow. And then when we're putting an embryo, they do it on the table. So they'll put the needles in for a half hour. Then I'll put the embryo in. Then they'll put the needles back in for another half hour. Cool. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. This is next level shit. That's, wow. why, you're, that's, that's why you're being asked to speak all over the world, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are you asked to speak about mostly? Um, the genetic testing. So oh. one of the things that we do and have for the last four or five years, we genetically test every embryo. That we do. Most practices will do to make sure it's some, you know, mm -hmm. but they don't do a lot of it. We do it 100%. Okay. And so we've had a lot of data that's good, like what I just showed you. The success rates mm -hmm. are really good. And so my lab people, my embryologists actually teach embryologists all over the world how to biopsy embryos and how to do freezing. Wow. And I talk about the clinical part. Can you genetic test for like blue eyes and. and no. No, but what you can do, there's hundreds of diseases now that uh, we know have a genetic basis. So things like cystic fibrosis, hemophilia, certain types of muscular dystrophy, wow. Tay-Sachs, you know, things like that. And so turns out that we can do blood tests to see if you're a carrier for any of those diseases. There's hundreds of them. So we actually, it's called carrier screening. Mm. So we do this routinely now. So when a woman comes in, a couple comes in, we usually test one of them. They both have to be carriers for the kid to get the disease. If only one of them has it, then the kid's just a carrier and that's the same as them. So we'll test one of them. And if they're a carrier for anything, then we test the other one. And if they both have it, we can screen the embryos for that disease. Wow. So there's a lot of, mm. that's the other part we do. I talked about chromosome screening mostly, but we also have, disease screening. So there's certain diseases like breast cancer, for instance, we can diagnose, and I've done this, the embryos that are going to have the BRCA gene. So, you know, you can eliminate the risk of breast cancer in that family for somebody who has it. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Do you wow. have, is, are there any groups that are like against what you do? Uh, the Catholic church. Good question. Yeah. I guess that's <laughs> Do they the like pick it outside yeah. work? And you flick them off. You know, it's <laughs> no picketers. It's it's <laughs> we. You know, it's it's not like we're you know performing abortion. No, yeah. But you know, the right to life people probably don't like the fact that we, you know, we don't use embryos that aren't normal. Mm -hmm. Totally. What is your what is like your 
view on that, like the fact that that is an option. Not normal is not normal. I know. You know, I think it's a better option than finding out the pregnancy is not normal and and aborting it later. Mm, That's true. You know, if you don't ever put it in, then, you know, you don't have to make those decisions. So for a lot of people, that's a better alternative. They don't have a problem just not putting in a Down syndrome embryo. Mm. But if they had a baby and they found out, you know, at 10 weeks, we have a blood test now you can do to diagnose these things that you had a pregnancy with Down syndrome, then you've got a decision to make. For some people, it's not a problem, but for others, it, it is. Mm. So at least we can kind of avoid that. And, and most people that would have trouble terminating a pregnancy that was abnormal don't have trouble not transferring back an abnormal embryo. Right. So interesting. Science, man. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, any like up and coming procedures, technology that you're excited about or is yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, there is. There's one thing called CRISPR right now where we can actually turn a embryo that has a genetic mutation into a normal embryo. What? So there's something you can put in, like Imagine when we inject what? the sperm in, there's a stuff we can put in that will take the mutated gene out and replace it with a normal one. <gasps> I mean, it's really cool. That's so I How? think that down the down the line, that's going to probably start to become something that's more and more useful. So you're not throwing away the egg. You're just yeah. Well, these are for diseases. Oh, you know, and maybe it's going to wow. be applicable to chromosomes. I don't know. Genes are oh, you know a gene thinking. is a very small piece of genetic material within a chromosome. Chromosomes are huge pieces of oh, okay. genetic material that are made of lots and lots of genes. Sure. So if you have somebody who has a mutated gene and it causes a certain disease, with this CRISPR technique, you can take that out, actually cut it out and replace it with the, what's supposed to be there. Okay. And so you prevent the disease. Okay. Wow. So anyway, that's, that's the most that's exciting crazy. thing. crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. For, I guess, last question for me, for people, so just back to the pregnancy thing and like having it more difficult to get pregnant as you get older. Is that because you have less eggs? Is that why people it's say be- that? Or it's what's the It's because you have less eggs okay. and because mo- more and more of them as you get older are not normal. So okay. for instance, 45, that's a cutoff. We've never had a pregnancy in a 45-year-old or older and we've never found a normal embryo in a 45-year-old or older. Have they tried? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They come in, I tell them that and they say, I'm gonna be the first one. So let's do this. Tim, okay. I mean, if you really want to, but I've never had one in 30 years, we're probably not going to have one now, you know? So, and it doesn't just happen on their 45th birthday. If you look at that graph I showed Mm -hmm. you, you know, at 43 and 44, only 5% of their eggs are normal. Wow. So, I mean, that's the problem. It's that you don't have as many, but mostly it's because most of them aren't normal Mm. and more and more as you get older. Hmm. Okay. So you recommend that women get their eggs checked? Well, since you really can't check their eggs, what I recommend is you get some idea of how many you have. How do you do that? Either with that AMH AMH, blood test test, and or- At a fertility doctor? Yeah, OBGYN can draw that blood test. Yeah, anybody can do it. Okay. And or have a ultrasound, you know, when you're not on birth control pills to get an idea about, you know, what your ovaries look like. Okay. What about the dudes, like for his sperm? How well, do we know if his sperm is good? You do a semen analysis. Oh, That's easy. Can. That's, I mean, we can So what do, do you see? Well, some guys have none. No sperm? Yeah. Wow. They're born that way. Bitches. And some of them have Wait, like- what's in, the, what's in the fluid? It's just fluid? Yeah. 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 Oh. 
Does it? Wow. Okay. And some of That's them, weird. just the, the number is really, really low. Like mm-hmm. we have a urologist that we work with who takes the sperm right out of the testicle for us to use to fertilize the eggs because when we do a semen analysis, there's nothing there. Hmm. So, if they, so if they don't have it in the semen, you'll go to the testicle. If we can, but only about half the time do they find it. But isn't it. it the same thing? Wow. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, the semen is what comes out. Right. That's the fluid. We're going right into the testicle and taking- Or there's just only sperm. Taking tissue out yeah. and looking oh. for the sperm in, the, in that tissue. Oh. Is that like super invasive or it's just like no, a little needle? It's, it's pretty quick. Yeah. A little needle. All right. Wow. So the guys have it a lot easier. Could because, they, could, you know, uh, last question for me, this is very not, not important for us, but do could men increase their sperm count mm-hmm. or decrease it? Or are they like us just kind of, that's what you're dealt? Yeah. I mean, I've heard like, oh, like tight underwear. <laughs> like, I, well, yeah, <laughs> literally. You know, um, there are, it's mostly that there are things that you do that make it worse. And if oh. you stop doing those things, it gets better. So two things that can, they're easy examples. Heat, which is why the underwear thing um, is bad. Oh. So if you have a guy who's doing a lot of, um, you know, sitting in a jacuzzi a lot. They, <laughs> and you this, should probably break up with them anyway. Well, <laughs> maybe, but we have guys like that and yeah. their counts can get really low. The other thing is if they take testosterone. Oh. You know, testosterone will make your sperm go to zero. Wow. But then if you stop it like three months later, then they, have it, they have it again. Yeah. And I wow. get a lot of guys that are doing that. Crazy. You're like, they come you're in, like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Well, no, they come <laughs> in and they don't, they don't say they're taking it. You know, we ask that's them what I all mean. these questions yeah. and we do a semen mm. analysis. There's no sperm. So I go, hey, um, you taking any hormones? Well, He's yeah. like, give him a pump. Yeah. <laughs> like, <"Pump on."> what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, literally. So, Whoa. But the good news for them is if they stop doing it, then, you know, they have sperm again. Wow. Okay. But like if there's some vitamin or something you can take, there's all sorts of stuff that people sell, but I'm not sure I've seen that it really makes it a works. huge difference. Have okay. you seen any, any like vitamins that help women stay fertile? What about like folic acid? Well, you have to have folic acid when you're pregnant, oh. a certain amount of it. Yeah. And your body naturally makes it. Well, you get it in food. Oh. Yeah. Like what? Uh, Leafy greens? Yes. That's my answer. That's yeah, always my answer. Folic acid is is in Dark all leafy greens. It's in all the prenatal vitamins. Oh, okay. Yeah. So should we be taking prenatals? Yeah. Not unless you're trying to get pregnant. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know if it, like it. I if, thought it was better for better. your hair, skin, and nails. Well, that may be, but hmm. you don't have to take it. Just if, do you, you lose know. your hair after you have kids? No, not necessarily. Mm. I heard that. Well, I mean, I a lot like you of, have some hair to lose. It's fine. A lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, your physiology. There's so much of it. <laughs> your whole physio- body physiology changes when you're pregnant. So it, it yeah. messes with you. And afterwards, yeah. it, you know, lasts for a while, depending if you're breastfeeding or not. Wow. Okay. Can your patients breastfeed? After they're yeah. delivered? Sure. Okay. Everything's we, normal. We, incur- I don't know. we encourage no. them to. I want the little, little details. No, 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 all the no, questions. You got to understand, once they leave my office at 12 they're weeks, they're go. just like every other pregnant every person. They're not pregnancy. taking any anything. Oh, okay. All those hormones are made by the placenta starting around nine or 10 weeks. So okay. they stop all the stuff we give them. They're, they're done taking that by the time they leave. And What's a healthy like amount else. of weight to gain when you're pregnant? Oh, I'd say probably around 30 pounds, 25, mm. 30 pounds. Cool. You shouldn't be eating for two. Yeah. No, that's- uh, How much more calories should you have a day? Well, you know, I, I'm not an obstetrician, so I'm I know not, we're, that's not no, my. You're more qualified. That, that's not my. Uh, <laughs> you got to go now. <laughs> area. Yeah, exactly. But it, it it changes a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Wow. But it definitely isn't double. Do you love what you do? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, because it's it, my field has changed 
so much in the time I've been in it. You know, when I got into this, the oldest IVF baby was eight years old. Now she's Whoa. 40. So during that time period, the, like the changes, you know, now if, you know, eight out of 10 of our patients are getting pregnant when it used to be one out of 10, it's it, most of the time we expect it to work. So it's never been better mm. than it is now. It's never been more exciting. The yeah, there's not as genetics much is changing yeah. everything in medicine. Yeah. Wow. Genetics is going to be the basis of disease treatment in, in 10 years in, in almost everything we do. So, I mean, that's the most exciting part for me. I can't see not doing it right now. I mean, I'm going to keep doing this as long as I can because it's Great. never been more fun. Yeah. Especially now that you're not falling asleep at work. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And your now office you're is awake. so cool. Everyone's so nice. And people have been, in his office have been there for what, 25 years? I have some. I have three nurses oh, that have been there for great. 20, 25 years. You know? yeah. That's great. Just It's like it flows. It's yeah. like, it's very personable, but it's also like, Efficient. Run efficient. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Well, because, you know, when you're, we you have a lot of people coming in, they've got to get to work. That's yeah. why we start at 6 30 in the morning. You do. What time do you end your day? Uh, four, 4 30. Okay. That's nice, but still 6 30. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody wants to get in, you know, before, before work. work. They I have to come in that. for like Thank 15 you. or 20 minutes. They're not there for very long, but they got to come in, you know, every doctor that's 10 like times nine or to five. So. I'm like, yeah. No, we don't, we don't do it that way. Yeah. Love that. This was great. This was I'm crazy. So excited this was for great. Our, yeah. Because, you know, we haven't really talked about it with our mm -hmm. community, but like I can imagine that those that are in a relationship or not mm -hmm. and are worried or mm -hmm. curious or excited mm -hmm. that this is going to be something they want to start talking about more and more. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Oh, we're my thinking pleasure. About, mm -hmm. And yeah. we're thinking about it too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to get that 10K. <laughs> <laughs> Better hurry. Uh -huh. I think I Better missed my hurry. window. I know. I think I missed my window. Oops. Yeah, you're Oops. both 30 now. I was so. just nervous. I, honestly, like the process of it kind of, Maybe you can't work out. You can't really do that stuff for like but two it, weeks. It's and short term. You know? I know, but like I have to work. And like, I just got nervous with, I don't know. It was tempting though. I'll say I that. Know. I just don't want to think about another baby around the world that's not mine, that I'm not yeah, like I know. loving. Because well, they're I mean, going to be a fucking incredible. Well. And it's yeah. not mine. I mean, it's not for everybody. Yeah. For sure. Just like Absolutely. using an egg donor, using a sperm donor isn't for everybody. I know. Wow. Think about it. You could pay for college. Do you have a lot of gay yeah. couples? Yeah. Good one. Any trans? Uh, I've had a couple. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. And one of them I didn't even know was. Wow. Really? They came in because they wanted to use an egg donor. This woman, the most attractive Asian yep. woman. Wow. Like, yep. And then I, That's somehow amazing. I found it out later and was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Really? Yeah. I don't see as many trans, but we have a lot of- Like they had had a surgery. I, I guess. I mean, wow. She was gorgeous. Wow. I mean, it's crazy. But I mean, surgery down there. You don't know. I, I, oh, oh, you didn't no, see we, it. No, we were using an egg donor, so we never did anything oh, on her. Oh, I see, I see, I see. So it's her and a guy? Cool. Yeah. Oh. That's amazing. Wow, that's so cool. But we have a lot of same-sex couples. Cool. Great. That's, I mean, that for a long time, that was not done. And there's still some practices that don't do it. You know, oh, they're old what? school. Certain parts of the country. I mean, you can imagine. Wow. You know, wow. But we've never had a problem with it. That's great. Cool. Love that. Woohoo. Wait, um, all right. How can people connect with you? Plug, <laughs> plug the, plug everything. I know you, you're going to get a lot of DMs on Instagram. You need the customers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing my Instagram. No, no, no. We're <laughs> yeah. not, we're not, no, no, don't do that. Um, What's probably your website? Our website's socalfertility.com. So there's a lot of information on there. A lot of the stuff we talked about is on the website. Mm -hmm. Those graphs we talked about are there. Mm -hmm. There's a whole section about age and fertility mm -hmm. that, you know, that people can look at. I've described the process 
uh, of IVF in, in steps, pretty detailed. So, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff there. Cool. Any books that you'd suggest people check out? Not really. I mean, I've seen a lot of different fertility books and the problem is a lot of them, especially if they talk about IVF, they don't talk about what I'm telling you right now because this hasn't been around long enough. Yeah. So yeah. I call it 20th century IVF. I mean, doing it the way we used to do is kind of, you know, gone That's by the wayside as far, yeah. as, far as I'm concerned. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Bobby. Bobby. All right. So I, th I think I have to freeze my eggs in like, what, two years, three years? We'll talk. Okay. Uh, I'm just wondering. Hey, you never know. Okay. We love you, Bob. Thanks for coming. Love you, Bob. My pleasure. You're the best. Thanks. If you guys have any questions for Bob, let's talk about it in the secret Facebook group. Mm -hmm. We will. We'll relay the message. You'll relay the yeah, message. Yeah, you can forward them to me. I'll answer them if you yeah. okay. forward them to me. We'll filter. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. We love you so much. Join our secret Facebook group. Uh, stay tuned for mm -hmm. our meetups. Mm-hmm. Across, across the country, the country. Um, and if you want us to get come your to merch your city oh yeah get. or if you want to start a podcast go yeah. to our website and you can buy our how to start a podcast guide and mm -hmm. it will step by step show you how to launch and create a podcast yeah we love you guys bye see ya Dr. Bob Anderson MVP MVP, how fun was that? How easy to understand yeah. was that? I just love that we're talking about this because I think everyone is kind of maybe talking about it around close or behind closed doors and things like that. But I have no idea, you know, if someone is getting IVF, now I understand what they're going through and I understand um, what it actually means to be fertile. I mean, this is was so eye-opening for me. Yeah. I'm just so grateful. So if yeah. you guys want to connect um, with Bob, uh, you can visit SoCalFertility.com and maybe we'll do a Facebook Live. I was thinking if yeah, there's enough cool. interest, interest to do like a Q&A. Um, with like you getting IVF like in it. Yeah, yeah. Just like vagina facing the camera. <laughs> yes, yes. Legs uh, up. Yeah, it'll be... Honestly, no one's ever done that before. I agree. So, so we should. Let's take a vote. All right, guys. So we're we're so grateful that you joined mm -hmm. us this week. Join our secret Facebook group. All that Got an jazz. Event coming up. Yeah, we have an event coming up. Listen up. Listen up. On May sixth, it is a Sunday. It is happening at Sage Wildness, and it is with our dear friends, Spirit Daughter, mm -hmm. um, Jill Winterstein, mm -hmm. uh, and Energy Muse. So it's going to be really, really great. It's all about your Saturn return. We are going to be going deep into um, your moon sign, your sun sign, and your rising sign. We're going to get everyone's charts done for them. So everyone that attends will have their own personal charts. And then you'll also get your own crystal that is perfect for your astrological chart. So this is going to be so much fun. It's very much workshop style with some badass people. So we can't wait to see you. Tickets are available on the Almost 30 Podcast website. You can go there and we will um, see you soon. And I just wanted to give a little shout out. So um, for our reviews on iTunes, I mean, I know you guys take the time to write them. It means so much to us. It's just really helpful. There was one that I read that was just so mm. sweet. Um, so sweet. I've been listening to Almost 30 Podcast for a couple months now, and it's honestly the perfect podcast. I started from the newest ones and worked my way all the way back to their first episode. I was so sad when I was done. They continue to bring on such amazing guests. Such amazing episodes with such amazing guests. I have tried listening to some other rad girl podcasts, but they're a bit too much for me. And I tried finding wellness ones and they were also a bit too much for me. Kristen Lindsay somehow find that perfect middle ground of wellness and modern girl chatter that makes you feel like you're a night out with your best girlfriend sipping on healthy cocktails. Keep doing what you're doing, you badass bitches. And that's Ugh. from Bozar22 in Canada. 
So thanks so much for thank writing you. those reviews that on iTunes. So We're so grateful for you. Um, thank you. Thank you guys. Have a wonderful week. Uh, we love you and stay tuned for our next episode on Tuesday.